in uh, preparation for uh, today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. That's Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them in that portion of the scripture and join me in reading God's word. It's all rise in reverence to the word of God. Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 3. Now faith is the certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. For by it the people of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the world has been created by the word of God, so that what is seen has not been made out of things that are visible. Praise God for the reading of his word. We may now be seated. Good morning to everyone. We shall continue in our series on the book of Hebrews, and we are now in chapter 11. And uh, just to give you a brief background, now chapter 11 is known by many, or they recognize it as like the hall of fame, of faith, of people in the Old Testament. It's like the hall of fame. Look at these people. And uh, they believe they did not shrink back. They believe despite the trials. And they accomplished many things in the kingdom. So it's a mixture of people of different stations. Some were rich, some were poor, some were in the middle of different backgrounds as well. Yet they believed in God and uh, they were recognized for their faith. Now, going to the context, after giving the Jewish believers a dire warning, all who continue to sin willfully will experience the fiery judgment of God. For those who go on sinning on purpose is like insulting the Son of God. He explained, the author, that the fiery judgment of God would be severe and eternal. And we were discussing this last time, two Sundays ago, that as the grace and mercy of God is eternal, so is his judgment. It is eternal. Now, some ha people have thrown the philosophical, philosophical question, how can a loving God send people to eternal judgment? Um, I'd like to say that the question is wrong. You see, in philosophy, you don't just go on with any question. You don't just answer any question. You first look at the premise. The premise is wrong because the question, how can a loving God? Why is the premise wrong? Because God is not just loving. He is also just. He is both loving and just. You can imagine a judge, an earthly judge should be just, but this earthly judge loves his children. But if one of the children commit a crime, what should the judge do? He must fulfill the law. Therefore, everybody is guilty. But he, God, made a legal way, a divine legal way to remove the guilt through Jesus Christ because he allows substitution. But the one who substitute must not have committed the crime. Just like in the Old Testament, an innocent animal would be sacrificed who had nothing to do with your sin, but 
a Jew, an Israeli or Israelite, <clears throat> would sacrifice the animal, lay hands on the head of the animal, like transferring his sin to that animal, and that animal was slaughtered. So in the New Testament, in Christ, God fulfilled that shadow. That was a shadow. It was brought into fulfillment in Christ. So now legally, somebody without sin, somebody without sin is worthy of that sacrifice. So uh, the writer of Romans, Paul, would say, the justice of God and the love of God, the mercy of God, and, and, and the fiery judgment met in one place, in Christ, where his judgment was placed upon Christ, yet his mercy is given through Christ. Outside that, there is none. There is only judgment. Because he already provided. That's why those who go on sinning willfully is like insulting the Son of God and treating his sacrifice, his blood, as unclean. You treat it lightly. Therefore, let me just say to you, the fiery judgment is eternal, meaning after a hundred years, he is not done with his justice. After a thousand years, God would not be done with his justice. That is forever. Now, do you believe in a God like that? Yes, I can believe in a God like that. For me, it makes sense. Doesn't only make sense, it's consistent throughout Scripture. But the world today has painted a God who will forgive you no matter what you do until you die. Don't worry. Don't have to repent of your sins. You don't have to believe in His Word. You can do whatever you want. But clearly, Scripture makes a, a delineation about that. But then, after warning them, to a point like scaring them of the truth, the author made a sudden move to encourage them. But don't throw away your confidence because you have suffered in his name already and you also help those who suffered in his name. Why throw away that confidence? You have reached this far. Why suddenly just shift? Let me say this to you, that in the last days, many apostates will show up. Many of them claim to teach the Bible. They know the Bible intellectually, but God has not written his laws in their hearts. Remember, one of the promises in Christ, one of the covenant promises is God will write his laws in our hearts so that we have a heart to obey the law. We have a heart to obey scripture. So if you think it's not in your heart, and that is what you must pray for. You must humble yourself and say, Lord, I want that covenant promise in Christ. I repent of my sins, O Lord. Write your laws, write your commands in my heart so I can have the heart to do it. It's like when you wake up in the morning, what you want to do is to please God. Whereas before, when God has not written his commands in your heart, you just didn't care. You just woke up and did the regular thing. Business as usual. God is not special. When I need him, I call him. But when I need him, so he's just there. A change happens. So the author reminded them, you were faithful. 
Do not throw away that confidence. And he will then encourage them to live by faith and not to shrink back. So he said, he is coming and he will... Will he be pleased when he comes? He will check your faith. I'm paraphrasing right now. And he will not be pleased if you shrink back. If you step back on your faith, he will not be pleased. So I'd like to encourage you as well, brothers and sisters. Many of you have heard the gospel. I encourage you, treat it seriously and try to understand it. Try to understand what the gospel is. And please don't go with the surface type. By studying the book of Hebrews and book of Romans, even Galatians, and, and the other parts of Scripture, things become more clear to us. I'd like to say I have been a believer since January 19, 1986. More than 30 years. And after two years, I started serving the Lord as a volunteer in handling Bible studies until today and i'd like to say from that time until today i appreciate the gospel more today because the more i study the details from general things about the gospel to the specific things of the gospel i am more amazed today than i was then that's why anybody who says i know it already isn't really a student of scripture a student that the Holy Spirit teaches. Because if you're a student of, a follower of Christ, a disciple is a student, by the way, a learner. If you are a follower of Christ until today, the more you study scripture, the more it should amaze you on how, on the details, how it all aligns. The connectivity, the harmony of old and new on specific events in the old to, to specific or to general statements in the wisdom books to the gospels in the New Testament and the epistles as it was explained by the apostles. You would be amazed. Now, not everybody would be amazed because they just look at it on an intellectual perspective. Now, I'd like to say I looked at it both and I challenge you to have both. Looked at it intellectually and I would say that the scriptures are defensible. We can defend it to be the word of God. We can defend it in terms of the resurrection. Some may raise questions about, is it really true? But they cannot fully debunk it. Why? Because there are academic arguments for the resurrection based on academic disciplines. The rules about witnesses, the practices about witnesses. And how, of course, the other is martyrdom. Would you die for a lie? Come on, really. Will you die for a lie? If you're, you have a conspiracy to just say, he rose again, let's tell a lie to everybody. You think, you would you die and be tortured for that? And I tell you, all of the 12, minus Judas, okay, minus Judas, but everybody else died for the gospel. And some of them were tortured. Will you die in a lie? Would you say, no, no, I was just kidding. I didn't see him. Uh, I didn't see him after he rose from the dead. <laughs> we were just joking, you know. No, 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 you don't see that. To the point of death, they would say. They would, they would smile like Stephen. I see the glory of Christ. 
didn't say he smiled. It's just my imagination of the text. My imagination of what happened. So do not shrink back. Now, those who went on sinning deliberately were those who heard the gospel and heard the call to repentance, but did not repent. You heard the gospel, but you did not repent. On the other hand, those who truly believed in the gospel turned away from their sins. Why? God wrote his laws in their minds and hearts. True believers no longer pursue a sinful life. I'm not saying they are sinless. I'm not saying believers are perfect. I'm just saying they're not pursuing it. There's a difference, okay? There's a difference between pursuing it and you sin unintentionally. That's a difference. Fake believers look like Christians, but their inner desires betray them. The inner desires, they're still in pursuit of sin. Not in pursuit of God, but in pursuit of temptation. In pursuit of sin. And there is a difference. Now, a believer is not perfect, but a believer does not pursue it. Now, genuine believers desire to fulfill God's commands despite trials and persecution. I mean, send the trials, send the persecution. It will purify who is true and who is false. Lalabas yung tunay pag dumating ang paghihirap. Pag dumating ang pag-uusig, lalabas yung totoo. The Jewish believers showed confidence in God's promises amid social pressure. Some of them did. And they stood their ground and helped each other. The author encouraged them to hold on to their confidence in Christ to endure until the end. Now their faith should continue and they should not shrink back because God would not be pleased. Now, that was the introduction of what happened before chapter 11. Now let's go to verse 1. Let's read verse 1 first. Now faith is a certainty of things hoped for, a proof of things not seen. Now, whatever translation you have, I read all of it, it looks good. Some have, I'm not saying all the translations, sorry, there are newer translations I haven't read, but the traditional ones like NIV, NASB, ESV, King James Version, New King James Version, says it in similar ways, but different words. Now, faith is the certainty. Others would say faith is the substance. It means faith is the real thing. Okay, faith is the real thing. Faith is a certain thing of, of things hoped for, a proof. Some translations would say the evidence. Faith is the evidence. Some would say the conviction of things not seen. Now, the author defined faith as the certainty or substance of things hoped for. You are sure. You are certain. What is hoped for in the context is related to the heavenly promises, specifically the coming of the Lord. If you look at the few verses before that, that he is coming, his coming may mean judgment or the second coming of Christ. That he is coming. He mentioned that faith is sure about the promises the believers do not see. Faith is sure about it. 
Now, faith is not a religion. It is not merely a set of beliefs. Commonly, when they say today, that's your faith. He's saying it's your set of beliefs or your religion. Now, faith, according to the definition of Scripture, of the writer of Hebrews, or as he described it, faith is what? <clears throat> An assurance. A certainty of God's promises. It is not about anything that you cannot just, oh, my hope is that one day I will be a good speaker. That's not what the text is saying. This is also one of the misapplied verses. What faith here is applied to what? Hope for what? What's the hope here? Hoped in the promises of Christ or God through Christ. Dun lang tayo. One way to study scripture is to know the limits of the text. You don't push it because that's dangerous. If you push beyond it, you could be giving false teaching already or believing in false teaching. You have to always know the limit of the intents of the other. There are limits. You cannot make it mean everything you want. Oh, what's your hope? Huh? Uh, what, do you, what do you want to do when you grow up? Huh? Uh, oh, just apply faith. Faith is what believing that you are that. Positive thinking. No, no. This is about what? The certainty of Scripture. The certainty of the promises of God. It is not for self-centered ambition. It's not that. Faith is not apply that. But faith is about the Word of God, especially His promises in Christ. Now, it says here, faith is the proof of things not seen. The proof of things not seen. Evidence of what is invisible. In the immediate context, it is the coming of the Lord, as we said. In the larger context of the epistle of Hebrews, it believes, now faith believes with absolute certainty that Christ, from chapter 1, he fulfilled the prophets. The prophecies of the Old Testament, Christ fulfilled. And then what? That he is seated at the right hand, the highest place of authority. What else did the author write? Christ is God. And Christ is greater than Abraham. He is better than Moses. And his priesthood is eternal. We believe that. We are convinced and certain of that. And that Christ is the perfect sacrifice. Moreover, faith is sure that God will bring fiery judgment to all who do not repent of their sins. Yet I believe that because the word of God says that. And it's been consistent from old to new about the character of God. That he is a holy, holy, holy God. Yet he is merciful. And his mercy and grace is found in Christ. We believe that because the scriptures say that. What is your proof? Our proof is that we believe that. That is faith. Now, we can get into apologetics as well. Meaning we can answer it scientifically as well. As I have debated with some uh, atheists and agnostics, I've had conversation and quite a number of them after discussing with me, stop believing that it's about science. Because I said, if you believe in science, then let's use science to discuss what you believe in. And so I have to poke in the holes in what they believe in. And they realize the holes. You see, you try to find holes in what I believe in, but I am secured in it. Now let me poke holes in what you believe in. And can you really rely on that? Can you? Are you willing to die for that? 
Are you willing to suffer for that? Be skinned alive for that? As many of the martyrs of the New Testament, and even until today, in some parts of the world. Why? Because God wrote something in their hearts. God wrote something there. And they know within their hearts the forgiveness in Christ. It is a substance. It is real. It is not wishful thinking. Something happened here and I cannot deny it. I will die for it. I will suffer for it. But I will not deny it because it's real. The personal relationship promised is real. It is not just crying, boo-hoo-hoo, when I'm sad, I go to the Lord. No, it's the Word, so real within, that as I grow in it through time, I could see by His grace, it's true. In my life, in the lives of others, I see. Faith of the Old Testament heroes. Let's read verse 2. Now, he's making an introduction to a long list. For by it, the people of old gained approval. The people of old, take note, the people of old, not old people, all right? The people of old, meaning in the Old Testament, they gained approval from whom? From God. The author stated that the Old Testament heroes gained approval or they gained a good reputation because of their faith. The author would cite several Old Testament characters like Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, David, and Samuel. The approval or good reputation in the context is different from earthly reputation. Earthly reputation is focused on works and the results of works. It is about accomplishments. That is earthly reputation. What have you done? It's always, what have you done? And you know the person who truly does not understand the gospel is what? They are proud of what they have done. Look at me, I helped so many people, huh? Uh, you don't know what I've done? You know how many people I've helped, huh? They do not understand. If you're proud of what you've done, you don't understand the gospel. I remember what Jesus said. You want to do a good thing? Don't let your right know what's your left and left to right. Don't let them know each other. You do good to somebody, yes, you have to, because they will glorify the Father who is in heaven. But once you begin announcing it, you have your reward already. What is that reward? The applause of men. You have it. That's it. The reward from up there, it's gone. Nada. For that work, it's gone. The approval of God is not based on our works. It is based on faith. Some of you parents can relate a little bit to this. When your kids are growing up and still small, you really fall in love with the one who believes you, who trusts you. Somehow it gives you a connection, not about how many things they've done, but somehow that gives you a connection. So I hope you don't change that because it's not about their works. It's about how much the relationship happens. Going back 
we must focus on what? Spiritual approval or spiritual reputation. And how do we do that? Faith. It is our trust in God and our trust in the word. Now, the Old Testament heroes believed in the promises of God and they gained approval from God because of faith, not works, not charity. I'm not stopping you from charity. Please do. Help one another. Not accomplishments. Please don't stop accomplishing. I'm not saying be lazy. Oh, if you know me, I want to do something. I want to accomplish something. But pleasing God is not focused on that. It is just a result of my belief in God. And there's a big difference. If it results from your faith in God versus you're doing it that somehow God will approve you, that's not the way. The Old Testament heroes, as mentioned here, was approved by their faith. The author emphasized faith. He would then narrate that their faith led to obedience and accomplishments. Faith that leads to obedience and accomplishments is fantastic. But hey, I won't compare my accomplishments to yours. That's not the point. Are we understanding each other? That's not the point. I won't compare how obedient I am to you. That is not the point. The point is let us believe. And his life in us will be manifested that what he has called us uniquely to do on this earth will happen according to scripture first and according to his specific design for you. And let us trust God in that. And you know, some of these Old Testament heroes believed even in the face of death. In the face of death. And the author mentioned somebody who got sawed, linagare, in two. <laughs> oh boy. So imagine somebody putting you, okay, lie down, <laughs> tie his legs, tie his ar her arms or whatever. Oh, get the saw. Okay, and it's not a chainsaw. A chainsaw is merciful because it's fast, right? Hmm, yung hindi pa nagtasahan, yun ang gamitin natin. Mapurol. Will you deny what you believe in? I will stop if you do. Uh, put an atheist there. Do you not believe in God? <laughs> oh, what if somebody puts you there? What's it going to be? Are you fully convinced? Or you're not? Are these disciples fools that they're willing to die for such thing? Fools in the eyes of the world, but not in the eyes of God, they gained approval. Now, verse 3, somehow the author injected this. I don't know why he injected it, but it's there. Therefore, we have to discuss it. It is important. By faith, we understand that the world has been created by the word of God. So what is seen has not been made out of that which are visible. Of course, I know the context, but suddenly he put creation there. How the word of God made the world from invisible to visible. I know the context, but then he injected it. Therefore, let us discuss this. By faith, 
what was visible was made by the invisible. That's why he's saying you must believe in God whom you have not seen. You must believe in the resurrection. Some of us seen it, but you haven't seen it. By, the right, by this time of writing, some of the disciples were still alive. It was A.D. 60s. You have to believe in the promises even if you don't see it, like the way you believe the world was created by God. Now, the author declared that by faith, believers understand that God's word created the world. The invisible who is God made the visible realm or the physical realm. The invisible made the physical. God made the physical. I would say this argument in a spiritual sense. God, whom you cannot see, is more real than the chair you're sitting on. Because that was only created by the invisible. There are two worlds. The visible and the invisible world. The physical world and the spiritual world. The spiritual world, which is God, existed before we did. So logically, scripturally, the spiritual is more real than the physical. Thus, living by faith is what? Being sure without a doubt of the invisible God and his promises in Christ. Now, the very proof that God's word created the world is faith. The world did not create itself. Did the world create itself? No. Uh, did something come from nothing? Billions of years ago, there were no men. No. You, were, you came from the... The, um, the family of the apes, right? Ever watched that film, Planet of the Apes? You came from the apes. But billions of years before that, you were like reptile-like. But billions of years before that, probably, and that's the term, probably. Probably, you were a fish. But billions of years before that, probably you were a cell. The next question is, where did the cell come from, if that's what you believe? Full of probabilities. That's not science. For a living cell to exist, scientists, you need the perfect environment. Perfect. If the earth is a, li a little bit closer to the sun, we no life will exist scientifically a little away from the sun we freeze to death scientifically it has to be a perfect world when we were living in UP Las Banas so we we got a kasambahay and this kasambahay was trying to be to sound intelligent and my wife and I were taking care of two boys, two poor boys. We allow them to live in our home and we feed them so that they can go to school. Uh, so one of these boys was a smart Alec. And uh, of course, you got a smart Alec in a kasambahay who's acting intelligent, right? So you li just listen to the conversation. It's just crazy and funny. So one time, not me, somebody overheard a conversation 
And uh, this kasambahay was saying, lahat tayo galing sa unggoy. And then this smart Alec, who is part of our church, then suddenly said, of course, the kasambahay, I'm the boss, right? So this smart Alec little boy said, oh, this is Kuya Ed, galing unggoy? Then of course, for fear that she might lose her job, she said, ay hindi, iba yon. <laughs> Tayo lang yung galing sa unggoy. <laughs> uh, let's go on to the application. I'd like to discuss this some more and I keep repeating to you some of the discussions I have, I question, and then what? And then I poke loopholes, and there are more loopholes to those who believe there is no God. There are more loopholes there. Now, but you said, you're, you're, you're speaking in faith. Yes, and I'm saying, you too. You believe in stuff you have not seen. You have not seen the world created. You have not observed billions of years. You have not applied the scientific process to it. You get machines that have different results. One is a live, a live animal was tried and he was a few hundred years old. I mean, come on. Application, confidence without a doubt. And a lot of these who believe this, when you challenge them, they don't really have enough material that they have read. They've read a few, they watched a few, but if you bring them down to it, even intellect to intellect, there are more holes there. Trust in the certainty, apply this, of the promises of Christ as revealed in scripture. Certain, no doubt. Do not misapply the verse, by the way, for self-centered desires. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. I believe I'll have a car. It's not yet existence, but I will believe it into existence. That's the prosperity preacher's way of attracting an audience and fooling many people. If you give $1,000 to my ministry, God will give you what you desire. Oh, brother. May naniwala sa inyo doon? Pag naniwala kayo, lagot kayo sa akin, ha? Joke lang. I believe that once we give to the Lord in His way, He blesses us. But not specifically what you want. I mean, haven't you heard, Thy will be done? Didn't you read in James, it's not good to say, this is my plan, I'll go into that city, and this is what I'll do. Rather, you should say, if it is the will of God. Rather, you should say, God willing, these are my plans. Not full of man pride in saying, I can do anything I want. Didn't the verse say, I can do all things through Christ? Gee, out of context again, because you don't study scripture. What does that mean in context? Paul was enduring, enduring what? He was in prison. He was saying, I can do all things, and he was saying it in prison. It means I can endure all things through Christ. I will keep the faith, I will endure it. It's not about prosperity gospel. 
Therefore, know what the Bible says and means based on its context. Faith is not positive thinking. Or name it and claim it. Eclemonasis. I keep saying I don't see that in scripture. Can you stop using it? Eclemona in prayer. I'd rather say to you, believe that you received it and you shall have it. But then, what can you not take away? Not my will be done, Lord, but thy will be done. You want a new car, go ahead, pray for it. But in the end, you say, let your will be done, Lord. Why? It brings you back to humility. Faith knows who God is and who Christ is, the meaning of his suffering. We know the meaning of his suffering, his death and resurrection. That's what we believe in. There is no doubt in faith. Faith also believes in the fiery judgment and everlasting mercy in Christ. Faith trusts in God's will and in God's wisdom. Dayain mo na para makuha mo. Faith trusts in the wisdom of God. Faith would trust in what Scripture says. We'd rather follow what Scripture says and trust God with the results, rather than manipulate things so you get what you want. Dangerous. Don't forget Jacob. He suffered the consequences of fooling his father Isaac. Next. Gain God's approval through faith. Let us build our reputation in God's sight like the Old Testament heroes of faith. The focus of the Old Testament heroes was God, not earthly pursuits. Their objective was to please God, not people. Thus, we should focus on God and His plan rather than focusing on worldly reputation. Enough. Enough. What do you need? A clap? Visit me and I'll clap at you. What do you want to hear? Good work? You're pretty? Okay, we'll say it. Now, can you stop? Too much focus on what? Once you have Christ filling your heart, you think less of yourself. I'm not saying you don't take care of yourself. No, you should, because that's his will. But you are also seldom affected by the disappointments of the world. The world is full of disappointments. You are less affected by that because you trust in his word and you trust in his will. So, Brother Ed, what if you, you catch COVID? I hope I don't. I'm trying to be careful. I'm truly happy that you avoid me after I preach. I think mainly because you were afraid of me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I thank the Lord that you still maintain social distancing. Some of you don't. You just hug each other. <laughs> and you're not even family members. Uh, but let's just say you were careful and still you have COVID. And you die. Oh, no, let's just die. You suffer, okay? Dying is too soon. Why don't you suffer for a while, okay? Will you blame God or will you say, I trust in your will, O Lord. I trust in your will. Thy will be done. 
I don't see everything, the reason why, but I will trust it, yet I pray for my full recovery. You still say what you want. I pray for my full recovery. But then your heart is surrendered. Because if it's time, gee, it's time. Amen? Amen? If it's time, it's time. Don't be afraid. Just be wise. When I was young and we were in campus, we were a bunch of young believers. Not always wise, by the way. Young believers are not always wise. So somebody just would walk through the pedestrian and there are cars. <gasps> and he just said, well, you pee. The rights of the pedestrian. Sure, sure, sure. I believe in rights, but I value my legs. Uh, you can get your right and win in court, but you lose your legs. Come on, man. Uh, think. Be, be a little wiser, okay? Uh, let us gain God's approval through faith. Now, faith is being sure, okay? Not earthly pursuits. Our objective is God, not people. Not worldly reputation, but our spiritual reputation, our reputation in God's eyes. Faith is being sure of what is hoped for. Do we know the hope of the true believer? The answer is the promises of God found in the word. Now, some of you, oh, God gave me a rhema. I, I challenge you to check up the meaning of that word. Don't believe every false teacher that explains to you the meaning of rhema. Rema versus Logos, and go back to it. Merema, personal words, I can see Lord. Whatever you heard, I'm not saying God doesn't deal with people. I do believe God does that. He sends messages to us, but the word of God versus what you think is a message from you, the more sure is the word of God. Are we there? What the Bible says versus, I have a prophecy. The, what the Bible says is what? Is sure. Now, if somebody comes saying, I have a prophecy, what did the Bible say? You test it. You don't believe it immediately. You test it as if he's a heretic. You check it again and again to see if it's true now. Don't believe everything. Sometimes, masarap makinig eh. Pag positive. Pinagpipray kita, may nakita akong vision. Ah, ang vision mo, Brother Ed, ang vision ko sa'yo, lalaki ang katawan mo. Wow. Now, tanong ko sa inyo, maniniwala kayo ba doon sa prophecy na yun o hindi? Brother Doy, maniniwala ka? Huwag ka kagad maniwala, di ba? Hindi, kilala ko si Brother Ed. <laughs> Mukhang, ano, milagro lang yan siguro kung mangyari yan. Pero kung mangyari yan, baka din naman. You have to be skeptical. That's all I'm saying. If somebody says to you, I think you're gonna be rich. How? Tatama ka sa loto. Baka maubos na pera mo sa loto, mahirap ka pa din. Don't easily believe in them. Some churches practice that. But I do believe in reminding ourselves of Scripture. I think that is the best prophecy. We remind each other of what the intent of the author is. And it might mean something really personal for you. And I believe in that. 
And we have to believe in what Scripture says. Now, some promises we already received in Christ, such as God writing His laws in our minds and hearts. If you haven't received that, humble yourself. There's a purpose why you're hearing this message. Humble yourself before... Hum, sorry. Humble yourself before God. Come to Him and say, Lord... I repent of my sins. I want your laws in my heart and mind. We know we sense that forgiveness in Christ. And we know about the personal relationship with God. Other promises we have not received. Like the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or our place in the eternal city. By the way, God is pleased with faith. Therefore, let us, let us know. We should know what we believe in. And we should keep believing it. But then we should study God's word to know what it is. And lastly, last application, understand that the invisible God and his word, understand that the invisible God and his word created the visible, the earth we live in. Let us keep believing. Let us keep proclaiming what we believe. Christ suffered, died, and resurrected. And that people should repent for the forgiveness of sins. People who say that they do not believe in God because they have not seen God, they have a faulty argument. I don't believe in God, I haven't seen him. So, may I ask, have you ever seen the wind? The wind, have you seen the wind? No, but you know it exists. Has anyone seen envy or love or anger? Have you seen anger? No, no, I'm not talking about the person who's angry. I'm talking about anger itself. Have you seen it? The scientists have evaluated the brain, but the mind is a mystery. The mind is different from the brain. Because your brain can exist, and when you're dead, the brain is still there, but the mind is no longer there. These are unseen, yet we believe. Do you believe in this auditorium, in this building, that it exists? Do you believe that there was an architect for this building? And there was an engineer for this building? Do you believe? Or did it just happen? Or it evolved into this building? Then suddenly there are, there's an artwork here, a bunch of squares and rectangles. Then suddenly there was a carpet. Then suddenly there were chairs exactly the same. And then everybody can, can did it just happen? Your phones, your phones, you have phones, right? Did it just magically happen? Or did that evolve into the phone? It just happened? Compare that to the human body. All you need is to sleep to recharge your energy. Do you plug yourself somewhere? Do you? Um, you don't. All you need is rest. Then you'll recharge. That's why if you're not resting, you're not recharging. So what happens? You get sick. The human body, the eye. Oh my. The eye, no camera, is equal the eye. Maybe in distance, there's a difference, but the eye. I can focus here and I can look far. Amazing, isn't it? 
You lose one, you can still see, right? How about the ear? Who made the best speakers? Speakers. Who made them? Engineers. Sound engineers. Highly educated sound engineers. To make the best ones. Uh, the low quality ones, those can study. You can study and you can make your own speaker. But then did it happen by itself? Did the human eye just suddenly pop? And no one created it. It's too perfect. Now, I haven't seen an engineer create a speaker that fixes itself. Yeah. Nabagsak. Tag. Wow, amazing. It's fixing itself. Maybe one day we'll have that, but it takes a lot of knowledge and experimentation. But your body heals itself. You don't believe me? Cut yourself. Of, of course you believe me. But if you're persistent and you don't believe me, I'll have somebody volunteer to punch you, and then we'll observe if you're going to get healed. I'm sure you will heal unless you have other complications. But isn't it too amazing to just say, it just happened? I don't believe in God because there's so much suffering in the world. You don't understand scripture then. You know that story between the barber and the atheist? So this atheist was receiving a haircut. And the atheist said, I don't believe in God. The barber being a Christian, and he loves proclaiming the gospel. And so he asked him, why? Because there's so much suffering in the world. Oh, just because they're suffering, then their God doesn't exist? Yeah. Because if God exists, he would have stopped it. Then the barber said, you know, Oh, no, it's the, sorry. it's the reverse. It's the reverse. It was the Christian who was sitting down and the barber was the atheist. The barber said, I don't believe in God, but the client said, well, I actually don't believe in barbers. Why don't you believe in barbers? There's so many people with bad haircut. So barbers don't exist. Yeah, just look at the hair of so many people. It's really terrible. And many are even suffering because of that. You know, they, they're experiencing social discrimination of bad haircut. It's not my fault that they, they have bad haircut. They don't come here. And then I said, hey, well, it's not God's fault if people don't believe. They don't come to him. That's why I say to you, there's something that happened within that I cannot deny. When he wrote his law in my heart. I cannot claim perfection, nor can you, but those who have experienced it cannot deny it. If someone asks, how do you know that God created the world? The answer should be, my faith in the word of God tells me so. Then reverse the question, how do you know that God did not create the world? How did you know? How do you know? Then press him for the proof and they cannot give you proof. All things equal. You press me here, I press you equally.
we must continue to hold on to the faith and defend it. We shall continue to proclaim his justice and mercy in Christ Jesus. I share to you a piece of literature once again entitled Faith as Proof. With clarity and conviction, regardless of others' opinion, genuine faith in his word, sure, there's no doubt in the heart that's pure. Through faith, people gained approval from God, the only tribunal. They gained a good reputation by faith, regardless of station. God created the universe clearly reflected in the verse. Our faith proves that God is real, sacred scripture we know and feel. Grace through Christ, can we deny it? Nor, we can, nor can we deny the Spirit. He transformed our lives from within, gave us the heart to follow Him. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your message. Thank you for your word. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for. We are sure. It is a substance. It is more real. Our faith is more real than the physical world. It is the evidence, the conviction, the proof of what we do not see. We do not have to see it. The very faith we have that came from you is the proof. Otherwise, we would not believe. Otherwise, we might consider it a joke, ridiculous. But because that faith comes from you, you have allowed us to believe what the world cannot. What they do not see, you have shown us by giving us the faith for it. And that faith is so real. It is a substance. It's something that happens within. Not just in the intellect, not just in the emotions. It's something that happens deep within our spirit. Knowing clearly that Jesus is alive. He is resurrected. And we believe the witness of the apostles who suffered for it as well. And passed on generation after generation, family after family, from one person to another. And the word of God passed on people to people, time after time. Men have tried to stop it. Men have tried to kill it. But it will not die. Because you are alive. For men have tried to stop it. And the more they stopped it, the more it grew. They tried to persecute the gospel, the people of the gospel. But the more the gospel spread. <laughs> Why? Thanks to you, O oh God. Because that faith is a gift from you. It is so real given to our hearts, we cannot deny it. So today we stand and affirm, we believe, Lord. We believe. We praise you and honor you. Our faith 
rests in you and in your promises in Christ, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, by faith alone, by grace alone. And it is through scripture alone. Bless your people amid this crisis, whether we are blessed or we are tested, teach us to remain faithful. Teach us to remain strong in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. May the Lord be glorified in our lives. Good morning.